1: Welcome to the e-commerce conversation with Pat Callahan, a weekly podcast focusing on e-commerce topics featuring interviews with prominent people in the e-commerce space. And now let's move right on over to Pat to see who he has queued up for this week's interview.
2: Welcome to e-commerce conversations. I'm Pat Callahan, and today I am joined by... Baruch Goldwasser, an e-commerce subject matter expert at NetSuite. Welcome, Baruch. Thank you, Pat. It's good to have you here, and I appreciate your time. Uh, When I set up this interview, the first thing that popped out in my mind was your title, you're an e-commerce subject matter expert. So why don't we start out, tell me a little bit about what you do at NetSuite,
0: Absolutely. Well, I work now on the sales and marketing side for the e-commerce vertical within NetSuite, and that means that I talk to customers and prospects, um, work through their issues, uh, present the product to them, and try to come up with uh, resolutions for any e-commerce problems or opportunities they may have, as well as also working on the marketing side, helping come up with collateral and literature for both our internal sales team and for customers and also talk to the press and analysts and do webinars to uh help present some of this information out.
2: Okay. Now now here's something that's been keeping me up late at night ever since I found out I was gonna be talking to you. Because this is this is what I want to be someday, Baruch. How does one become an e commerce subject matter expert?
0: Uh, well, my background the last 10 years has been around e-commerce. Um, the last six years, I've been the e-commerce uh, senior product manager here at NetSuite. So I've helped develop the product, um, designing it, and and working with the engineers to build it out. Uh, before that, I worked at another e-commerce company centered on small and medium-sized businesses, and that's Big Step. Uh, and I worked at Big Step in the late 90s and early 2000. Uh, so with that background of ten years with that, as well as um, helping out many friends with their own e-commerce businesses, that's that, that's how my expertise came in. Well, let me ask you, what's your background in? My background is actually in law. Really? Uh, studied law and uh, was working in that in in the '90s, but then moved over to high tech. Uh, and worked a little bit on the development side for a couple of years before moving over to product management.
2: It's interesting. The more people I talk to, uh, when I find out about their backgrounds, some are science, some are law. It's interesting to me that these all these people ended up in the e-commerce phase.
0: Well, there's definitely a lot of legal refugees out there, um, and anybody who was around the Bay Area in the '90s probably got attracted to some degree to to e-commerce and and the internet in general. Uh, and I was working on, on several internet projects and then began specializing in e-commerce.
2: Okay, and you said you've probably been involved in e-commerce for about the last 10 years? Correct. Okay. Where does your interest in e-commerce stem from? What drew well, What drew you to e-commerce?
0: Well, uh, part of it is just, I guess, genetic. My dad was was in retail and wholesale uh, for about 40 years, and so I, I grew up in, in that part of the industry. Uh, and then... I was you know, a part-time seller on eBay um, and other online auction houses before then and uh, had a little business on during my, during my school years as well. So, so I had my, the personal side as well as the family side and um, then moved on and, and took in for the professional relationships as well, being able to combine, combine technology and internet capabilities with, with business.
2: Okay. Frequently here at the magazine, and our magazine is typically targeted towards small to mid-sized businesses, but I imagine, you know, even your smallest business has aspirations to become a very large business. But we get calls quite often from a variety of different people, and, and oftentimes they're beginners. We just got one the other day. What I'm wondering is when, when we get these calls to set up an eBiz, they want to know, they want to have like a checklist where to start what would be your advice for someone who's looking to set up an online presence
0: well I would start off by making sure that they know what what their business plan is what their business is what they're selling who they're selling to um, you know the basics of what products they're getting and how they're going to be able to receive them into the company and and ship them out Uh, once they have that basic piece down but then it's beginning the online presence itself. And that begins with a website, uh, figuring out how they want to brand that site, what look they want. Um, and then the next piece after that is how you actually get customers, how you get people to visit your site. And that involves everything from making it search engine friendly to getting a search engine marketing uh, campaign ready. So you know, buying paid per click words, um, getting links into your site so that search engines will rank you higher, and also generating an affiliate program perhaps where other other businesses and other interest groups can send you business that, you know, you may pay them a commission or something, but all of these different ways to make sure that, that you can get eyeballs, that you can get customers. And once you've accomplished those first three goals, once you've set up a business, gone online, and actually are getting customers, then comes the more difficult then comes the part about actually running the business. Sure, that that includes everything from you know the accounting of the business, the inventory management, warehouse management, managing your customers, marketing to those customers, paying out the commissions to those other to those affiliates, um, and that that's the part that's that's often forgotten by people starting a business. They have a great idea and they may have a great product to sell, but they often overlook the part that comes, the, the business part of that that comes after the business is set up that's completely necessary, of course. And obviously you're not going to have very happy customers if you don't ship your goods on time and you don't give them strong support and you don't build them accurately.
2: Yeah, makes good sense. I want to backtrack for a second. I've been, yes. th- I've been thinking a lot lately about SEO versus SEM. And what I've been thinking about is... Are we are we seeing a trend towards SEO more than SEM or I want your opinion? Do you need a balance of SEM and SEO or can you just can you go SEO?
0: I think you need a balance of both. Yeah. I think SEM, I think search engine marketing, when you're paying for it, is a, is a quicker way to get business. Um, you're basically you're paying upfront for it, but you can get um, customers quicker but it's also more expensive. And so in the long run, unless you get very good margins off your SEM, uh, that may not be the, the most sustainable way to have a business. Good SEO can, does not have to be that expensive. I mean, consultants may be expensive and you may need to do some work, but if you build a good site that has strong SEO capabilities and you build that link network that's going to help you rank higher, then that can sustain you for a much longer period of time Without the the daily weekly out expenditure on your, on the actual search engine. Okay. So I think a good balance is necessary.
2: That seems to be the consensus. How about this? What are some of the biggest e-commerce disasters you've ever seen over over the, over the ten years you've been in the business?
0: <laughs> uh, well, definitely don't want to name names there. Um, sure. But. Again, I mean, I think that usually goes with with the business parts of it. I think that people get up and running, and then, uh, ironically, it's success that sometimes brings them down. It's when they were expecting 100 orders a day, but they start receiving 1,000 orders a day, and they're just not set up to be able to manage their business. They may not be able to get the products in in time, They probably don't have the warehouse space and the expertise on how to run a complex warehouse or multiple warehouses. Um, And then on the customer side, the customers start calling with questions. And it may be very basic questions, but they're not set up to answer 10 times as many questions as they thought they were going to answer. They can't track the information. they They can't answer them properly. They can't reach the customers in a way that makes their customers happy and so their own success ends up being their downfall
2: okay here's a crystal ball question for you what changes do you see occurring in e-commerce let's say over the next 12 months
0: good question i would say one of them is customer is companies going more global um i see that they're I, i hear more and more of companies wanting to reach a global market, um, they're already being asked by companies around the world, I mean, excuse me, by customers around the world uh, to, to sell them their goods and they're running into a lot of problems right now in terms of payments, what payments they can accept and how they process them, in terms of shipping to those customers, in terms of supporting different currencies and different languages. But there are better solutions out there, and more and more e-commerce providers are supporting multiple languages, multiple currencies, uh, perhaps multiple even websites, a different website for each country, as well as advanced shipping capabilities and advanced fraud protection to protect them from, from certain regions which may have more prevalent fraud. But I really see uh, global e-commerce growing very quickly in the next few years.
2: Okay. How about this for a question? What about changes over the next five years?
0: Over the next five years I see both advances in fraud protection where customers, uh, merchants are going to start using more, more of the different techniques that are out there that reduce chargebacks. Uh, things like verified by Visa and, and MasterCard Secure that, um, that transfer the responsibility and the burden of proof over to the shopper in, t- in cases of fraud. The other trend I see is more actionable web analytics. So, right now, customers, merchants are seeing a lot of analytics, and they're they're trying to do things with it. But it's not necessarily um, very actionable data. They see a lot of statistics about visitors, and they see a lot of statistics about page hits, but they don't necessarily know what to do with it. And I see a lot of um, a lot of web analytics programs moving in a direction where where the merchant can actually act on that data to close abandoned shopping carts, to find out the true ROI of their search engine marketing campaigns and their affiliate marketing campaigns, and the ability to see what each of their shoppers are actually doing on their site so they have a much greater understanding of how their site is being used.
2: Okay, great answer. Baruch, thank you very much for joining me today. I, I I really enjoyed and got a lot out of your insights. I really appreciate it, and I hope to talk to you again very soon.
0: My pleasure, Pat. I'm available for you anytime.
2: Great. Uh, Tune in next week for e-commerce conversations. See who we have queued up next week.
1: That's all the time we have for this week's e-commerce conversation with Pat Callahan. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week for another new episode to find out who Pat will be speaking with.